today's guest, Gigi Ho, Vice President Operations at SEMA Data. The conversation then kind of naturally says, listen, we can help you, you know, create digitized data, but better than that, if you create your data in a standardized format, then we can use that and supply everybody um, in a consistent manner and you won't have to you know, manage data for this person, that person, etc., which is what they have been doing very inefficiently. Tech Talk, the automotive aftermarket podcast. Hi and welcome to the third episode of season two of our Tech Talk aftermarket podcast. Today, we are diving deep into the data topic with Gigi Ho from SEMA Data, and I couldn't think of anyone better suited for the topic. Gigi is a real data nerd, so to speak, dealing with aftermarket data nearly all her professional life. We talked about the development towards a digital aftermarket within the last 20 years, why the discussions about data should be more about the actual use cases, the uniqueness of the special equipment sector, the rise of e-commerce and how to deal with it as well, as how electric vehicles will affect the market of specialty parts in the future. Gigi is a real expert and a true advocate of the importance of good data, great insights on SEMA and the specialty sector in North America. So without further ado, let's jump right into the podcast. Welcome here from Apex for our next Tech Talk session and we have a very special guest. We have uh, Gigi Ho from SEMA Data and she's uh, pretty pretty nerdy uh, regarding the data topic. So what she's basically doing is more or less the same as we are doing for a global market. They are doing for the North American market. Gigi, thank you for taking it the time and having you here today. Thank you, Christian. And for our audience who is not so familiar with the North American market and SEMA in general, can you give us a little introduction about yourself, what you are doing and what SEMA is? Absolutely. So uh, again, my name is Gigi Ho and I am the Vice President of Operations for SEMA Data. And SEMA Data is a, a program that is provided to our members, SEMA being an association, um, provide to our members to help the manufacturers um, create digitized, standardized data and help resellers to connect with those uh, manufacturers and ingest that product information onto their platforms to be able to sell, whether that selling is uh, brick and mortar, on websites, um, B2B or B2C. Nice. So uh, th these topics all sound familiar, of course, <laughs> <laughs> because as I said, we're operating in the same field. So yeah. since when uh, did you start dealing with the data topic? Oh my gosh. Um, so what I didn't do is I didn't explain the difference between Apex and SEMA. Yes, uh, yeah, maybe that would be good for yeah. many listeners because, you know, from a European perspective, mm -hmm. there's so many associations and organizations in the North American yes. aftermarket. It's quite, quite hard to come by. It, absolutely. Uh, so SEMA stands for Specialty Equipment Market Association. And what we mean by specialty equipment is really the, um, the best way to describe it would be the parts that you want not the parts that you need, right? So it's the lift kits, the um, extra bumper, the off-road vendors, the bull guards, lighting, um, everything that would make a vehicle go faster, sound better, or look better. So performance and tuning parts. Correct. Well, beyond performance, also okay. accessory and appearance. Okay. Yeah. Mm -hmm. So like, the, like all, the, all the cars we see at the, at the, at the SEMA exhibition. 
correct. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Actually, all those vehicles uh, that are displayed outside of the SEMA hall, actually outside and inside the SEMA halls, um, are all featured vehicles. So they've all been sponsored to some degree by the manufacturers, exhibitors yeah. of uh, the SEMA show. So, you know, these are um, fabricators, designers, and uh, mechanics that are putting these beautiful vehicles together. And you, you really are knowledgeable in the data topic because you told me we had a little chat before and uh, you basically told me that all your professional life you were dealing with aftermarket data. So not all my professional life, but certainly all my professional automotive uh, yeah. life. I came from SAP, actually, as my background. I worked in biotech, but um, I had a good friend who was in the aftermarket uh, specialty equipment uh, market side, and he asked me to look at the aftermarket as a way to how do we make it more efficient. This was back in 2001. So I entered the industry in 2001, not even knowing that the aftermarket existed. So at it that was time. it was right in the in the dot com craze then. Correct. Well, actually, it was just at the dot bomb. Oh, okay. <laughs> <laughs> it was just at the dot bomb, and I remember. And you decided, <laughs> oh wait, let's let's do something so, with data. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So let's do something with yeah electronic information through yeah. the internet. And um, I didn't understand coming from already a high tech interest industry yeah. and, and background coming into an industry that didn't know what internet meant still printed everything uh catalogs yes, paper sheets, catalogs yes packs and packs pallets and pallets of uh paper catalogs would be shipped to the SEMA show by almost every single exhibitor yep. and uh it was crazy in my mind to to think of that so At that time, when they thought about electronic data, they thought a PDF was yeah. electronic data. To some degree it was, but um, yeah, they had no idea. And I didn't realize starting the company that I did with um, my friend Digital, you know, uh, we started Digital Performance back in 2001. I had no idea that for the first seven to eight years of my professional career in aftermarket would be evangelizing what standardized yeah, you data had to, you had to do means. all the groundwork i did i did i really did yeah and i, I guess and I, and i guess this is a, a great accomplishment because I, i i can imagine that it's quite tough for like a young woman stepping into the aftermarket which you know the aftermarket we all know there are all these silver bags in there and they don't want to want to get taught what to do from a young woman coming from <laughs> from from sap <clears throat> yeah so i i didn't It, uh, reveal much about my SAP background, yeah. but really, um, you know, it, the conversations I have and continue to have with manufacturers isn't about the standards themselves or even about data. It's really more about what they're looking to do with their company, with their products, who their customers are, what their customers are needing. And more often than not, they're needing some type of uh, information electronically to be able to put into their systems, right? So it the conversation then kind of naturally says, listen, we can help you, you know, create digitized data. But better than that, if you create your data in a standardized format, then we can use that and supply everybody um, in a consistent manner. And you won't have to, you know, manage data for this person, that person, etc., which is what they have been doing very inefficiently. 
Yeah, and, and, and I totally agree. When talking to people about data, you don't need to talk about the nitty-gritty details because no one, A, they don't understand it, B, they don't care, but you need to talk about the advantages they have because the data mm -hmm. is mainly, the it's, it's just a carrier to fulfill business in the end. Correct, yeah, yeah. So I, I try to... Um, I try to use analogies a lot because people don't, I think when they, I realize it's part of our program name is SEMA data, but um, I think a lot of people get scared by that word. I saw maybe scared's a little harsh, but they get turned off yeah. by the word data when they hear it. They're like, oh, that's not for me, especially. Um, yeah, it's not for me. I want yeah. to sell parts, not yeah. data. I'm sorry. Yeah. So th these are like uh, marketing and sales managers, you know, they're like, I don't care about data. Oh, you can talk to IT. I'm like, no, I need yeah, to talk yeah. to you. Yes. I don't care about IT. Um, so I, I start to use analogies, you know, in terms of what it actually means. And then they start to kind of get it. Or what's also helpful is talking to their main customers. And uh, and the main the resellers usually understand the, the issues and need the information standardized delivered consistently and uh, in that respect the resellers their customers help me in that conversation as well yeah definitely and you also you also mentioned that analogy before when we when we had a, a quick exchange and I quite liked it because we were talking about data is like like the electricity in your house you don't you 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 will miss it as soon as it's gone but but usually you don't have to care about it because it's behind the walls correct yeah yeah so you know you think of uh, electricity powering your computers or your coffee maker and things like that and that you turn that over to sales data is powering your website it's powering your business systems it's powering your point of sale systems yeah but you don't think about it because you're selling a part or you're selling a kit or you know etc but yeah once it's gone you have no idea how difficult your life becomes definitely uh -huh. and uh, in your opinion what makes the uh, American aftermarket unique in terms of data so uh, I, when you say aftermarket I am speaking from specialty side yeah yeah so the challenges that I see from the specialty side is there's a lot of companies that are still burgeoning and they are creating products in their garage still. Um, these are not necessarily sophisticated manufacturing processes mm -hmm. or sophisticated uh, selling processes either. Usually it's the small company, it's the, um, you know, five to 20 people who start off the company and yeah, they are doing everything especially in the accessories sector you mentioned Correct. yeah yeah for the SEMA market yeah yeah um, so they're starting off they have a great product they hit a small niche they've been to the shark tank and got the money and <laughs> <laughs> now they're coming to you they might not even have a shark they might just you know they might just be uh, in a club and uh, you know there's a pain and they Fix the, yeah. They fix the pain with their part, the solution, and now they want to go broadly um, or they want to sell into a, um, a larger reseller like a Jags or, a, you know, Summit Racing or Keystone, etc. Yeah. And the first conversation from these resellers is, do you have product data? And then 
they're like wide-eyed. <laughs> like, what yeah. does that mean? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I have a I have my price sheet in Excel. Yeah. And I was like, no, that's not the same. <laughs> <laughs> so, so yeah, it's that the challenges in the SEMA side are varied in that degree. We have small manufacturers coming in. We have uh, manufacturers growing out of being small per se and trying to sell it into larger markets. Um, additional challenges go with that beyond just product data. But um, it's it's understanding what goes in. And again, kind of this, in this podcast, my, my goal is actually to reach the marketing and sales people of the company. I, I don't want to talk to any more IT people because <laughs> Because um, they're not the solution provider. They're not the pain point person, nope. right? So um, as, as we change the conversation of, you know, standardized data more into the benefits of the, the result, then I think we can catch more, more lift. And, and I've kind of proven that to some degree because when I joined SEMA, I've been in the industry obviously since 2001, but I joined SEMA in 2019. And when I joined, uh, SEMA data had, I want to say like 200 brands or so that were involved. And obviously these were the larger brands, the Hollies and the Edelbrocks uh, of our market. Um, and today, which is three years later, we're over 500 brands. Wow. So the messaging to the salespeople and to the marketing people matter, right? Because that they're the they're the ones like, oh, I can I can sell more product with this. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> That's all I needed to know. Oh, I can connect with resellers with this. Okay. That's all I needed to know. Yeah. Yeah, definitely. Mm -hmm. I think yeah. totally agree that you need to buy in from from the sales and marketing people. This is not a topic which should be driven uh, by IT at all. And uh, in regarding this this rapid growth of the brands you mentioning from uh, the last nine years, uh, within the last nine years, we also saw the uh, rapid growth in e-commerce. So how does this relate? Mm -hmm. Yeah, so I, I would also like to credit the growth of our brands uh, within SEMA data program to the pandemic. Yeah. Um, there was one thing that the pandemic proved. It was, you know, previous to 2020, whenever we talked about online, um, some understood it. And a lot of people said, yeah, that's like a, a portion of my sales. No one really buys car parts online. No one ever really buys car parts yep. online. I'm like, okay, if that's what you think. It's like, you know, if you provide enough information and you provide clear images in, you know, the features and benefits and the, the attributes that are needed for your products, you can probably sell. I'm like, no, no one really. Ours, our product is too specialty, right? Yep. We need to have the conversation with the with the buyer, whatever. And I was like, all right. And then the pandemic happened and no one traveled, no one could demo products, no one could do any of these things that they used to do as part of their normal no. business process. And uh, all of a sudden it was like, oh shoot, kind of like the pandemic basically was um, realizing that you bought a house where in one room or even a whole house didn't have any electricity yes. wired. And uh, they're like, oh, I, I, need, I need this. So um, that was definitely kind of the birth of a lot of the, the awareness 
um, all of a sudden what it really means to have clean uh, content and um, rich content for for your products. No, de mm -hmm. definitely, totally agree. But mm -hmm. this is also this is also in the discussions we have with customers. Mm -hmm. But having your data ready for e-commerce and you having all the mm -hmm. you have your 360 degree photos and everything. Yeah. But it's not like you have the data and then it's like it's a one-off and then I I kind of put it in the, into the marketplaces and then I sell. If you want mm -hmm. to want to do e-commerce business, especially on on the big platforms like Amazon or or eBay in Europe, there's a lot of uh, automotive aftermarket or replacement parts business uh, via eBay. Mm -hmm. You need to treat these platforms seriously because it's not like your catalog system. It's not like a paper catalog. You, there, there's more to it than just uh, setting up your listing. And you need the, the, yeah. the people who are educated in in, in uh, promoting these listings on those platforms because you're, on, you're just one of, of many sellers there. Yeah, so I guess there's a, we're talking about another aspect of it where, you know, um, some manufacturers sell direct through those marketplaces. Yeah. Um, on our side, a lot of resellers sell direct on those marketplaces. And the resellers need to understand those products better. Some of them are passionate. So there's a lot of passion yeah. over on the SEMA side. A lot of the resellers, the brands that they carry on their stores, it's because they're users of those products themselves. So they usually can support the, the end consumer um, better because they're a consumer themselves. Um, but yeah, it's, it's a, you know, data doesn't stop. There's always something that can be enhanced um, more As, as the manufacturer and the resellers are involved with the audience, they can pull through what's important to that audience. Like, okay, maybe I listed, you know, three attributes, but they needed this other piece of information and I didn't have that because I didn't know any better. Well, that needs to be added. That's an enhancement and it's just a continual refinement of your product information. You can't, this is not a, you know, what they call it do it and forget it kind of thing yeah yeah that's yeah. that's mm -hmm. what i mean yeah, yeah. Mm -hmm. it's not a do and forget and it's uh, also interesting that you mentioned the example of a reseller because on on the amazons and ebays it, the, the lines are getting blurry you know who is selling you that part mm -hmm. maybe a customer is buying but the product description is is wrong or the image is wrong and he gets the he gets the wrong part but then mm -hmm. he's not blaming whoever it sold sold it to him because it, you, it's, it's actually hard to find out actually who who made the the sale on these marketplaces yes yeah there's a uh, there's a diligence there so you know amazon is a strange creature i have to say because um they they want rich content And they actually demand it from a lot of their vendors uh, and merchants. However, if they run across a line that doesn't have uh, six images or that doesn't have the, you know, 10 bullet points, or yeah, I'm yeah. not sure of their yeah. listing criteria, yeah, yeah. they will aggregate that information. Yeah. So they will modify the listing. Yeah, yeah. they will to, crawl it from yeah, somewhere. Yeah, so it becomes like somewhat user-generated. Yeah. Uh, content instead of manufacturer specific content so they don't do that for fitment they um they do utilize aces as delivered by the manufacturers yeah but i can't 
I can't tell you how many times we have pursued them to work with us on the pies data, just because it's like, if you need something, let us help communicate that to the manufacturer and let them, and let us help the manufacturer, you know, find it, create it, whatever is needed. But you can't be aggregating this information because you're causing not only, you're causing down the line issues with the returns, yep. um, uh, unhappiness brand, uh, you know, loyalties being destroyed. A lot of things are being affected, but they don't, they don't care. <laughs> so we have to yeah, get yeah. the manufacturers because to also, care a little also bit. Also for them, you know, and, and I guess, mm -hmm. I guess it, it, it sounds harsh, but it really is like that because basically they don't care what they, what they sell. For them, it's product, it's product, it's product. If it's like a, a pair, a pair of socks or a replacement mm -hmm. part, they don't mm -hmm. care in the Correct. end. Yeah. Well, and then for them, it's nothing on them because a lot of the resellers and manufacturers that sell to them have to accept the return. Yes. No matter what, and um, and they're already getting their piece out of it with FBA, uh, FBA right? Fulfillment by Amazon. So. It leaves it leaves a bad experience on the reseller and the manufacturer side, but for Amazon, they've made money, both ingress and egress. You know, so it's yeah. like they don't care. Yeah, and also with Amazon, when you get too mm -hmm. successful on those platforms, Amazon they starts <laughs> to get in competition with you <laughs> yes, as well. Yes, they because then you maybe data. have your your, yeah. your nice little uh -huh. uh, product you developed in your garage, and as soon as as, mm -hmm. as it as it's becoming a hit, maybe they will release it as an Amazon basic product yeah. or whatever. Correct. And then they are in in competition. Yes, they are. Yeah, they well they because you're selling on their platform, they collect all your sales information, so they know um, not only how much you're selling, but which. To whom? Demographic yeah. you're selling to, yeah, mm -hmm. for sure. And so, so how is the uh, the mm -hmm. general sentiment in the market from the distributors and manufacturers towards these platforms? So it's a you know it's a strategy game. So what mm. <clears throat> what parts can you sell on Amazon that is going to be uh, low on the return risk, right? Yeah. And um, and knowing at least that the fitment is um, you know provided by the manufacturer and not aggregated um, you know again what information can be hard and fast that you're delivering that wouldn't wouldn't open the gate for them to want to aggregate additional information right so it's trying to be as really as thorough as you can so that there's less chance of uh, Amazon kind of meddling with it but so it's a thin line to walk It is a very thin line to walk. Um, I think the other aspect of selling with Amazon is you have to know you have to know that a lot of the searches are starting at Amazon. But um, I think there's not there can be a lot of buying on Amazon. There obviously is a lot of buying on Amazon. But depending on the specialty of that product, um, they can buy direct from your website. I will say that. Oh, I don't have the statistics on the top of my head, but um, the confidence level of a consumer, especially buying on a specialty product, uh, the confidence level of a consumer purchasing from the manufacturer website or from a, a, a specialty yep. website is far greater than on Amazon. Yes, Most definitely. of the time they're on Amazon because of um, really the turnaround time. So if you can match that or, or at least lay the expectation 
uh, to a reasonable level with the consumer purchasing that product. Okay, you're not going to get this in two days, but maybe a week, and it won't be you know exorbitant freight. It's an aspect. You know, you built some pricing into that freight cost. Um, you can deliver, I think, with a relationship um, with the consumer, you can deliver much a better experience than Amazon. I think they search on Amazon because they used to search on Google. They still search on Google, but I think that more and more they're searching on the yep. marketplaces for products that are available, and then they shop beyond that. No, definitely. And in the end, it's not just about pricing. That's what, what everyone is saying, because mm -hmm. many think, yeah, but it's e-commerce and I can't compete on price with them. But you don't have to because no, it's don't. not solely pricing. Correct. It's yeah. about uh, having additional services for your customers. Right. Yeah. Providing value. And, and that's why, you know, with forming a relationship. We with, yeah. We, we work with our resellers to encourage them to develop this relationship, whether it be at an event like SEMA show or, or um, you know, the multiple consumer events that are out and about. For us, it's like, you know, um, uh, Jeep Jamboree or, you know, the different um, off-road expo and different trade yeah. show or consumer shows that are out there because it's the, their opportunity to gain uh, confidence, um, brand loyalty, and, um, you know, really demonstrate the features and benefits of their products and not just... Um, rely purely on the, you know, on the online experience. Though the online experience can be very informative. I, I joke around too with uh, my manufacturer. I should say I joke. I don't really joke. I'm trying to like paint pictures for them <laughs> yeah. in, in non-data terms. Yeah. But, um, uh, you know, coming out to SEMA, I had to buy another suitcase. Yeah. And I go online and I honestly, I look for demonstration videos because even with pictures of the suitcase, yeah, you want you want to get an idea of the height and stuff. Yeah, yeah. I want to, well, I I need a person because sometimes a picture doesn't yeah, give you yeah. any reference. Yeah, yeah, sure. Right? So it's yeah, like, it's well, how a, big is that? Especially when yeah. it's on a wide background. And yeah, I have no. It's like, is that an inch high? Is that yeah, ten yeah. inches high? I have no idea. Yeah. And um, so I'll read the spec, and then I'm trying to imagine it, you know, in in with my hands or, or tape yeah. measure and such. But it's a lot easier when I actually just see the person grab the bag. I'm like, yeah. okay, that person's about six feet tall. You know, they're yeah, grabbing yeah. the bag, they're zipping it open. I can see everything about it. And so, video and demonstrative videos. Um, informative like teaching type training yeah. type videos the manufacturers do it for their um their wholesale dealer partners yeah. but they they don't do it for the consumer i'm like why not yeah and especially with the parts you guys are dealing yeah. with mm -hmm. because i guess in, in most of the cases this mm -hmm. would be a, a diy project for the for the one who, who buys it Correct. Yes. So, and even if it weren't, even yep. if it were one that you would purchase as a as a consumer, but then go to a shop yep. and have them help install it, you know, a person walk, working in a shop isn't going to be familiar with every single like running board that comes across their <laughs> their desk or or their or their shop floor. So, having a demonstrative video uh, of how the brackets are aligned or you yeah. know what what tricks are, are, you know, the best way to, you know, yeah, and install even though, anything. Even though when you yeah. had a, a good a learning experience mm -hmm. to how to implement the, the, the product, he might 
refer to it in the future again and buy it right. again or, or yes. suggest it to, to a customer who's in the market for something like that. Correct. Yes. Yes. It's all about that brand loyalty, right? You expect, yes. you expect a certain level. Uh, you have to maintain that level. Yes. You know, it, it does make you work harder, but it's worth it in the end. Right? And you, you mm -hmm. also mentioned that, uh, that, they're, that they're more and more trying to, to set up their own web shops. Was there also an increase during the pandemic? Because also when we talked earlier, we talked about our, our, our similar endeavors with Shopify, for example, <laughs> and the other platforms in, like the, the WooCommerce, etc. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. So did you see an increase in that as well? Yes. Well, I mean, it's always been... Um, Because I know you are prepared for Shopify. You don't. Well, we actually have uh, plugins for three platforms, yeah. uh, three e-com platforms for WooCommerce, for Shopify, and for BigCommerce. And one of the reasons we did it, honestly, is because not only do we have small manufacturer, you know, companies, we have small reseller companies yeah. who um, are excited about the products. Like I said, their passion, there's a lot of passion over in those halls uh, at the convention center. And so they're passionate about their segment, maybe their, um, you know, overlanders or their uh, drag racers. Um, they all have their specialty. Yeah. And they want to sell the products of that specialty. But they're five people or sometimes one person um so they but they you know even even in the specialty you're looking at 20 to 30 brands and that's a lot of data yes to cull through and and sort and load into your uh e-com stores so that's why we developed the plugins for them but again i i, I you know push it to the pandemic you know it's like i need an online store now Or else I don't get in front of and, anybody. And, 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 and saying you I know? need an, you know, because we <laughs> talked before and the guys were, were still thinking in paper catalogs and then creating your own online store. It's like <laughs> a complete different animal. Yeah, yeah, exactly. And, you know, but it's, it's funny for, the, for either the manufacturer or the reseller who are selling direct to consumer. As soon as they enter into that e-commerce world is when they realize... Oh, that, oh, that's convenient. That's, that's really convenient. And also, I want to work with brands that have their data together. They, they want to work with brands who have multiple images, who have multiple descriptions, who have their titles that make sense, who, you know, um, have their fitment information correct with whatever notes or qualifiers that help them sell the product yeah. better, right? All these things become under scrutiny. Um, when it's the only voice you have uh, to speak to your end customers. Yes, yeah. sure. So it's been, like I said, it, we have been very busy over the last two years. Yes, um, I can coming, imagine. <laughs> coming out of the pandemic. But how, how far by. do you go But, uh, now having these plugins? When, when I, as a distributor, I, I give you a call and say, Gigi, I now I need to be online. I need to set up a e-commerce website. Mm -hmm. Can you help me? How, do, do you do support in that regard as well? Well, um, They need to pick a platform. Obviously, yeah. a lot of them pick the platform. One of the three that yes, I ha we yes, have. Yes, sure. Uh, you you cover mostly the yeah. entire market with these three. But um, but yeah, exactly. That I mean, it's one of the reasons why we picked the three that we did. Yeah. And um, the we can help them with the product information, and we can. But our plugin is not the website. Yes. Right? Our plugin. But I guess that's also something you need to tell your customers because they think, oh, there's a plugin, that's the website. Constantly. It is a constant 
conversation. They call up and they're like, um, so can I, you know, change Where can the I image put my logo? Yeah. yeah, I'm like, <laughs> like no. Um, yeah. my, I feel actually, I feel sad for my developer because yeah. he's often the the first getting all this tickets yeah i'm like no and and i actually work with our project manager on it i'm like um so that's a yes that's a no that's a no that's a no <laughs> that's a yes because it's a plug-in it is an aspect it's a it's a solution it isn't your entire website and it's not your entire experience right with your consumer so you know that there we do get resellers signing on that think they have a relationship with a major WD who can do the fulfillment for them, who has buying power for them. And so then that WD carries, you know, a thousand brands and they say, oh, that means I can sell a thousand brands. Yeah. It's like, no, you can't sell a thousand brands. It's like, why not? You don't know four million products, you know, in your head. You have to support all this information. Um, when a consumer asks you about this line, do you know about that brand? It's like, oh, not really. Well, you know, do you know the the way that they would be using it or better ways that they can use it? No, it's 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 a you know we're in the education game in the end um, with a side of digital data. Yes, and besides e-commerce, another big topic currently yeah. is the electrification. Of it. And yes. I guess in the past, many, many people were thinking, oh, with electrification, especially like performance parts, mm -hmm. would there would be, would be a bump in the market. But then, like just yesterday, or oh, it was at SEMA. Yeah, it was at SEMA. I mm -hmm. saw a Tesla Model S and I didn't even recognize it. It looked like a Ferrari. So I went, <laughs> what, what car is this? And then I saw it's a Tesla because you saw the little T on the, yes. on the, on the hood. Uh -huh. So I guess yeah. this is still, A, a very big market, so it doesn't really really matter for for the for the performance parts or, or tuning parts. Well, tuning parts maybe not, but um, you know, certainly for those manufacturers who produce parts for um, internal combustion engines, yes. it matters a lot. Yes, right. That doesn't necessarily stop the other accessory manufacturers yeah. from entering the market. Um, you know, a I think of the Tesla. I'm in Southern California, and uh, Southern California full of is Teslas. yes. Oh my gosh, <laughs> we have Teslas everywhere, <laughs> and I think of them honestly like the Model T Fords, you know, back in the day. Yeah, where they all look alike, they're all the same color, and they all yeah, drive and I, the same. And, and I right? guess this is also a very important fact because, like a Tesla, you can only get it, I guess, in four colors. Yeah. Well. Um, Tesla changes the color options every, I don't know, few years. They'll mm. add like one extra color oh, and okay. charge you exorbitantly for it. But um, but yeah, it is. The, so in our industry, it's like, I don't want to look like the other guy, yeah. you know, I or gal. I want to I wanna make my car look different. So Let's, let's get it wrapped in camouflage. Yeah, yeah, exactly. So wraps were yes. a huge thing and yes. it still is a huge thing. Wheels, a huge thing, right? But more now, it's like, well, can I change the profile? Can I change the shape of this Tesla? I love the platform. I love yeah. how it drives. I love how, you know, consistent I can expect uh, its performance, but... I want it to look different. Yeah. I want it to be different than the a Tesla sitting next to me. So yeah, so now body parts are coming into play. The the problem with that, well, I shouldn't say problem, it's a hurdle, is um, 
all the sensors, you know, all the cameras yes. and sensors that have to be accommodated. Yes, when, especially Tesla because uh, their autonomous driving is camera based. Yeah, yeah, exactly. So, well, I mean, there's so many ADOS um, technology in, in vehicles yeah. nowadays that almost every body um, modification requires a recalibration of those yeah. sensors and cameras. So that that's probably the hurdle with um, some of the, you know, modifications. Some of the drivers, they're like, I don't care. I'll just, I, I don't, I never use, you know, <laughs> don't automatic use the stuff anyway. anyway yeah, yeah. yeah. I, I, I want to be in control anyway, so yeah. I don't care. I'm like, all right. <laughs> yeah. And I also think in terms of electrification, maybe, maybe we have to, we have to rethink what a performance part is because now when we're talking about performance parts, we're talking about something which makes your car faster or accelerating uh, faster and mm -hmm. stuff. But maybe in the future, when you have like this ele electric cars, maybe you choose performance parts which benefit your range or which extend your range. Yes, absolutely. Range, I mean, um, you know, t tires yes. um, is still a performance upgrade when you're talking about ele electric vehicles versus a regular uh, ICE vehicle. And, um, you know, I already mentioned wheels, but brakes another one yeah um, just because the car is so much heavier you know they rip through the tires and they and they tear through brakes if they're not at the higher grade for stopping these heavier vehicles um yeah so you know for us it'll always be about making vehicles look better um and uh you know stop faster or whatever but you're right it could also mean now you know go further Definitely. And uh, every time at the end of our little sessions here, we are, we are looking ahead in the future. So in your opinion, what will be the topics we talk about when we meet again at Apex 2030? So in eight years time. Oh my Lord. Eight years time. Yes. Usually people only ask for like five years. You're looking into the, you know, flying cars. This <laughs> I told you that the tough questions come, come at the end of the session. come at the end. 2030. Wow. So in 2030, I can only imagine that... Um, Will you still have to explain the, the value of data? Oh, good God, I hope not. I hope <laughs> not. But you know what? I didn't think I'd be in the same conversation 20 years after I started the company, right? I'm Where I'm still like, no, you need product data. What? What's the product data? Yeah. I can't believe I'm still having these conversations 20 years later. But... Eh. Uh, so eight years from now, yeah, I'm sure that there will still be conversations about product data, but I think it'll be more about um, it'll be more about expanding that user experience, right? It won't be just that the basics. I'll, I'll just call it the basics. It's not just going to be about you need an image and a description and your product fitment. You know, that has been the conversation for the last yes. 15 years. I think moving ahead and thinking ahead. It's going to be much more, um, I don't want to say virtual experience, but... I mean, um, you guys in California, you will be all be living in the metaverse by then. <laughs> I, uh, I think I, my son has one of those uh, VR Oculus, headsets, yeah. Yeah, Oculus VR sets, but um, I don't... I, I think we're still a very tactile, um, tactile group of people. Yeah. And... So the the simulated experience is good to understand how to manipulate 
in the environment, but in terms of like experiencing being actually in a vehicle and um, uh, I even think about the autonomy topic that you brought up. It's like, again, coming from the SEMA side. Yeah. I don't know if you recently saw the, the Ken Block, um, oh, they didn't call it Hoonigan. The Gymkhana uh, videos? Yeah, it's the Gymkhana, but yeah. the, he, did, he recently did one going through the streets of Las Vegas yeah. in the Audi, oh my God, I can't think of the model, it, brand new, um, but it's electric, full electric. Okay. Um, you should watch the video. Yeah, I will, for, for our listeners, I will put it in the show notes, the link yes, to the, to the you YouTube should. video. It's amazing, but it's an electric vehicle and he's tearing through the streets of Las Vegas. I think he said he went through, I think he said he went through 40 sets of tires filming wow. that video. So it's the Audi e-tron GT yeah. or something. Yeah, like mm -hmm. the 800 horsepower yeah. and beautiful. Um, so... Everyone wants that tactile experience, right? I don't think that uh, watching the video is one thing, but I think being in the car would be a thousand times better, right? And um, and I think people still love that. I don't. I don't think that's gonna. I don't think autonomy is gonna replace it. It might. I think autonomy, autonomous driving, is great because it allows mobility to those that can't. Or, or have yes. lost the ability to do it themselves. So it it doesn't restrict them to their homes anymore. But, yeah. um, you know, for our market, for the aftermarket, I they don't think that's going to be... Yeah, they want to they be in control. And they, I agree. So, so. We, we'll meet at Apex 2030, and then we, we two of us will, will drift uh, through yes. the strip. Oh, wouldn't that be fun? <laughs> Actually, um, if you go to SEMA, they, they do... Well, they used to. Um, have a drifting experience for the uh, attendees. Oh, okay. You, you stand. You have to sign up and stand in line. But nice. Um, but it was fun. I actually did it in 2019. I love it. <laughs> so I'm on the fun side. Great. Thank you very much for your time. It was a pleasure talking to you, and I hope we meet sooner than 2030. I hope so too. Thank you, Christian. Thank you. Great episode today. It was a pleasure talking to Gigi. I hope it really came through how passionate she is about the whole data topic. Key takeaway from my side and I really think it's a really, it's a really important one. When talking about data, start from the use case or benefit it brings instead of talking about all the nitty gritty detail up front. Both when selling it as well as promoting it within your organization. If you guys liked what you heard, feel free to give us a positive rating in your podcast app. If you want to learn more about Gigi or SEMA data, you will find, as always, all the links in the show notes. So long, see you in the next one.